Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We are continuing on our series on these new cameras. And there are new cameras coming out, which we're excited about. Last week, we talked about the long-awaited, actually not really long-awaited because nobody actually knew about it. They kept it a pretty good secret, the Lumix GH5S. And this week, we are talking about the long-awaited, and I think it's fair to say that, A7, Sony A7 Mark III. So this is the sort of entry level of the full-frame cameras from Sony, and it's getting a lot of buzz right now. It's coming in at $2,000, and it's not coming out for another month. So it'll be here uh, sometime around mid-April, according to B&H. And with us to discuss it, we have my co-host for today, Taylor freaking Juarez, as well as Garrett and Amber Baird. So thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us. I love how every every podcast starts out with just four people blank staring into the screen waiting for the record to start. It's just <laughs> awkward, <laughs> awkward staring. Well, uh, there has to be some awkwardness or else it's not a podcast. That's right. At least it's not a Wedding Film Academy podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, guys, you... Actually, we were all at WPPI a few weeks ago. And it was pretty cool because typically WPPI doesn't get camera releases. Um, but this year they did. So the A7 Mark III was released at WPPI. There was a big event that Sony put on. You guys were a part of that. You are a big part of Sony's whole thing at WPPI this year, teaching some classes on the Sony stage, um, in addition to your master class on editing. Um, maybe just start out by telling me what you guys have been up to lately before we dig in too deep on this camera. Sure. Well, we had the um, very fortunate opportunity to um, go to WWE. WPPI, which we do every year. We absolutely love it. Gonna love meeting people that we don't get to see, but maybe, you know, once a year we get to see them on Facebook. But it's just a great opportunity to, to reconnect with a lot of, of great and talented people. But this year was especially busy for us. Um, not only did, were we privileged to talk on Sony's stage uh, for three different days, but we also judged the filmmaking class and um, had, a, had a master class on the theory of a powerful edit. So, yeah, that's keeping very busy this year for sure. And then as soon as we got home, we filmed a wedding and um, got horribly sick. So it's been a very (laughs) crazy two weeks. And we had an amazing time at WPPI, of course. But the Sony event that they hosted for the release of the A7 III was pretty awesome. Um, we got, you got hands Mr. Sony on. was there. Mr. Sony. There was a lot of really cool people <laughs> there. Um, they brought in a bunch of press members, which the press, they, they hosted events for them all week. But in years past, they've had, um, like last year they had two lenses drop at, or one lens drop at WPPI, mm-hmm. I believe one or two. I can't remember the hundred. Yeah. STF. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've not seen them do 
release a camera at WPPI, and it was really special and cool to be a part of. Yeah, I really like how that um, Sony is recognizing um, the level of professionalism that's at uh, a wedding and portrait photography and video uh, conference, and that it, it's no longer, or if it ever was, but uh, just to, it's no longer just the, the little guys on the bottom of the totem pole sh- shooting weddings. You know, back in the day when, you know, 14 years ago, we started out shooting uh, weddings, and I would go to a camera store and they say, Oh, you shoot weddings professionally for a living. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's gone from from that type way of thinking. True story. <laughs> absolutely true story. Um, but it's gone from that to a whole new level of professionalism and skill set that uh, I don't know. It's just great to see major companies like Sony recognizing that 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 it's a great place to release a product that is absolutely perfect for both wedding photography and cinema. Awesome. So, you guys were able to pry one of these A7 Mark III's away from Sony, uh, which is apparently a pretty difficult task when a camera is still <laughs> a month and a half away from being released. Uh, and you used it at a wedding, right? Yes. Yep. Um, I really wanted to get my hands on two of them. Uh, I was really pushing my luck with even getting one. But uh, no, we, we got we got one. I wanted Amber to have one, and I wanted uh, myself to have one. That way we could have uh, – we have two really different styles of, of shooting, and, and we have different responsibilities at a wedding. And so I thought it would be really great if Amber could use one, and, and, and I could as well. But we just got one. We're very thankful for that, and Amber never got to touch it once. I don't think I've, I've yet to, to hold it in my hand, oh my to be honest. God. I just you said, nope, it's mine. You of a gun. Yeah. Now, now she wasn't she wasn't slouching. I mean, she was using the R three, which is is a great great piece of kit. But um, yeah, I, I started playing with it. I'm like, nope, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you are the bigger gear nerd among us, so that is good for this discussion because you should be able to answer a lot of questions for us. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, hopefully. So, talk to me. Let's first let's start out. Um, at the 40,000 foot level in general, who do you think this camera is meant for apart from, apart from your experience, just shooting with it, just in general, like who do you think this camera's for? I think it's a great camera for the person who maybe, um, we've shot with this, you know, the a 6,300 in the past, the 6,500 and those bodies, uh, when they were released were right around a thousand dollars. Um, this may be for the person who maybe once either has gotten used to using one of those cameras. Maybe they just um, put their toes in the water, in the Sony water with a, a less expensive camera. And they really want to have more. They want a full frame sensor. They want better low light performance. Um, but they just don't want to spend, um, you know, maybe their budget's $2,000. And if that's the case, um, this is a great, and I don't know why they call it the entry level pro or they're calling camera, it a, the basic and they're calling model. the basic model because yeah. it, it is, is basic. anything. I mean, let's just put it <laughs> out there. <laughs> basically fantastic is basically. What I'm, I'm not yeah. seeing basic white girl. You know, like I see basic like Starbucks and Uggs. That is not this camera, and it's almost a misnomer. I mean, when they announced it at the event, they announced it as the basic model, and we're thinking. How is this basic? It has, it has amazing features from some of the top of the line cameras in it. Like it's a hybrid of all these amazing features in this, 
you know, entry level price point camera. And I, I, it just excites me about what they're going to do in the future for the higher end models. That's that's another thing that I really take away from it. I thought of it more like uh, like Amazon Basics products, kind of like at that level. Was that is that fair? <laughs> 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 I, I don't understand their their marketing technique sometimes um, because, for instance, I have the A9 as well, and it's a $4,500 camera. Right. And the 7.3 does things that my A9 does. Hmm. And it does things that your A9 doesn't do. Like what? Uh Picture profiles. Yes, that's huge. It does right. things that the A7R3 does, which right. is an amazing photography camera. So I think that it's also a great camera for wedding photographers as well, as filmmakers as well, but mm-hmm. especially wedding photographers. A lot of our friends who've been on the fence about, you know, like, am I going to switch? I don't know. It's a it's huge expense because, you know, the A9 and the A7R3 are, are very expensive cameras, and now they're you know, they're ready to go. We have friends who have them on order right now. Right. Well, it's one of, one of the, the uh, biggest names in Indianapolis, one of our photographer friends. Um, he went to WPPI and got to talking to us about it. And and because I am I do photography, but not, not weddings, um, I directed him towards people who um, shoot with Sony for weddings, and they were able to talk him through um, how they use it for weddings. But um, he just messaged me, I think, day before yesterday, and he has the, I think, the R3 on order and also a, a, a 7, 7 three as well. Yeah, which I think um, is a perfect combination for a wedding photographer to have both of those. Because he also does commercial work right. as well. And if you ask me, it's like they took this, the S2, the R3, and the A9, and they all got together and had a little party. And a few months later, what happened here's at the, the 7-3. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I digress from that. But um, there's it's, it's the hybrid of um, low light, very fast, great autofocusing, and and at 24 megapixels, um, pretty deep. I mean, high resolution. Uh, I've done I think three photo shoots with it now, and I think the 24 in addition to your in the a, wedding in addition to the wedding, yes. Uh, and I really think that the 24 megapixel area is a really sweet spot for photography. I edit all of my photos on the iPad Pro. And I love the R3. I love its resolution. But, man, those those almost 100 megabyte um, files when I put them on my iPad, uh, my iPad can handle them. But when I start doing, you know, a photo shoot where I had 300 pictures, it really, really chokes down a little bit. So I think 24 megapixels for the majority of what I shoot as a, as a photographer is perfect. But this is the wedding. I know. Film it's well, that's film what I'm Sorry, so, I, I digress. No, yeah. I think that's fair, though, because I think it's one of the things with all these cameras, right, is all of them are hybrid cameras. You know, they can, right. they can go either way. But that was kind of one of my bigger questions. And I think a lot of people went here with the a7r3 is that okay clearly this is a photographer's camera but you guys have utilized it into your video workflow pretty heavily to the point where it almost sounds like you know you might not care a whole lot about what the a7s3 does um this elusive mystery camera that's true i don't know what they're going to do because after using the 7.3 it i don't want to use my s2 anymore and I don't know what they're going to give us 
on the S3. I'm sure they're going to come out with something that S3 something. But, it's going to blow our mind, probably. But I could only speculate that maybe, you know, ProRes. Um, I would love to see 60 frames a second in 4K. Um, I know <laughs> I catch a lot of flack from that from you guys the a little GH5 bit. GH5 <laughs> does that, by the way, in case I mean, you were you wondering. You could have done that. Yeah, at the same price point. <laughs> only $2,000 on sale for um, $1,800 right now. But I really don't know what what else they're going to give us. So, um, I mean, they have to have something up their sleeve because they've really given uh, their users quite a bit with, with the 7.3. I'm not, not um, joking at all. I've got shots this week, last weekend that I have never gotten before because of the new autofocus system hmm. um, that I, I never have gotten with any other camera that I've ever used. Even on the A9. Um, part even on the A9 because I, I, you know, autofocus has been something that it's kind of like if you're going to, you're in Florida, you're on vacation and it's, it's 60 degrees, it's not 100 degrees. And you you want to go swimming. So you slowly just kind of, you know, put that one toe in the water and you kind of ease into it. That's how I have been with autofocus because I used to be of the mindset that, you know, if I don't manually focus everything, I'm not a cinematographer, I'm not a filmmaker. I, I'm slowly getting rid of that idea because it's making my life um so 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 much easier and the autofocus lets me do things uh, like for instance on a gimbal with a 55 millimeter uh following the bride around and doing like a, a big wide pan um around her walking around her with a 55 millimeter and locking the focus you know on, on the groom's face and i've never gotten a shot like that before usually i i get shots like that but it's on like a 12 millimeter 14 millimeter or maybe a, a, a 24 millimeter, but to be able to have that compression as you're, you know, spinning around the, your subject kind of gives it a real, uh, you know, JJ Abrams, you know, movie look to it. And I just, I was just, I fell in love with that. And so I actually rarely on the day of the wedding, I didn't, when I was on my gimbal, I rarely used the 12 to 24. Most of the time I was on my 50 because I was just like a kid in a candy store. I've, I've never flown a 50 at 55 at 1.8 at 1.8 i mean i've tried it before but if you're doing manual focus then you have to set it manually and then hope to pray to god that you can keep the same amount of distance from your subject to the camera while you're making your move and i don't know about you but i'm not great at that so this is the autofocus system has really um, made my life easier and more so than the um r3 because the r3 um, phase detection points. Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they, it doesn't have quite as many as as the seven three. So whereas the seven three has what like seven six hundred ninety three six hundred ninety three phase detection covering over ninety percent of the sensor. That's crazy. Whereas the R three covers around sixty some percent. I thought it was like seventy. It's, but it also has more contrast detection points as well, which isn't as good, but it also does have more contrast detection points. Yeah. So I, I and I when I say I use autofocus a lot, I, I do, but I and four twenty five six ninety three. Yeah. Wow. That's just yeah. that's crazy. It's like covering the whole sensor. Why would basically. they put? I mean, what? Why would they put that much any, into this camera? And the R three is like pretty stinking new still. But the R3 has uh, 42 megapixels. Right. It's more for portrait photography. Sensor. And like if you were going to do, uh, I would say, if, you know, um, our friend that shoots weddings, um, Nathan, if he was going to do like a portrait of the bride and grooms, maybe the ones that would hang on the wall or maybe uh, the big group pictures, that might be something where he would use a, a, a higher megapixel count. But yeah, at 24, um, I, I just developed some 
images. Uh, went out last night, and my dad has this 1951 Oldsmobile, um, and it's he bought it to restore it, and it's it hasn't got restored. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, but it's sitting out, you know, in the woods. It's kind of it's kind of falling apart a little bit. So I went out there um, after dark and and uh, kind of playing around with the low light capabilities and, and using a constant, really inexpensive um, LED lights and. Um, you know, I got out there and, and just started shooting it. And at, at 24 megapixels, I'm like, what on earth would I need 42 for? I mean, I think the 24 megapixel, um, you, those could be blown up absolutely huge. Yeah. So now we may have an A7R3 for sale? I don't know. I think I'll, I think I would, first, my if I do more portrait work, I think I would like to have it for portraits. But I tell you what, uh, I'm ready to sell my S2s. Wow. Really. I, I mean, you heard I, it I know first there's... Here. there's well, for two reasons. First, well, more than two, but the new battery system, crazy, crazy yeah. good um, in comparison to what we've been used to. I shot. Um, I, I mean, but my my iPhone first generation is pretty crazy compared to the A seven S two. So, I'm just gonna put that you know out what? there. We're just gonna, and and that's you know, the one I still have. I not when it was I agree with you that the batteries are not fantastic on the older system but they weren't much worse they, they than as, our old uh canon gear 5d mark three yeah, yeah they weren't as bad as a lot of people think they were no so. but what i, I love is like the fact that they're taking that feedback and hearing like oh that's a big deal exactly. to us and they're like right. okay exactly. well we're gonna we're gonna change that we're gonna fix it so i think that's great exactly they're really good about doing that um at all at all conferences and events they put on there's always an engineer there doing interviews mm -hmm. um asking about pain points of the camera system and they actually implement those which is really great i mean so literally even i, I know you've not used the a7s2 but the record buttons on the side and a lot of people hated it so they moved it you know, like simple things like that, right. that do make a difference to right. us. They, they were like, okay, well, we didn't realize that you would hate it on the side. Let's move it where it is on a lot of other cameras. So they're really good about listening to consumer feedback. But I mean, it's the at least double or if not more. The it, new it's Z almost two point. According to their website, it says 2.2 times. Um, right. I went, let's see, I recorded, I filled up a 128 gigabyte card. And which is three hours of 4K footage, and I went through two and a half batteries, and I I used uh, let's see I had the stabilization on and was handheld um, the majority of the day except for the main events. Plus using autofocus. So Plus you using were, autofocus. You were using the camera at its maximum ability. Oh, I did turn off um, airplane mode. I, it's out of habit. Um, it just uh, when I the on the original A7S. Um, when you turn the airplane mode off, it helped, you know, or not you turn use... airplane mode on. Yes. I'm sorry. That is correct. I turn airplane mode on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that helped back then extend the battery life. So I just out of habit, I always, I, I turn that on and it basically just stops the NFC chip and the Wi-Fi from broadcasting. So are they, are they like by default, they're, they're broadcasting. You have to turn that off. Probably? Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to say yes. They're definitely broadcasting, but there's they're lo either looking for a connection or something. There's something that's happening at least on on the older system to where uh, when you turned it off, I would get more battery life out of the camera. Right, it was noticeable difference. Yeah. Huh. Now I do know the new the new processors that they're putting in these um, are more energy efficient. So I think that that goes in hand in hand with um, sure. the, the the extended life battery. 
And yeah, like Amber said, I used face detection, autofocus, face detection, majority of the day. And when I use autofocus, there are times when that, that doesn't, um, it doesn't work. You know, you want to do some kind of fancy focus pull. Maybe somebody's going to walk in front of you. So if you ever heard of like photographers using back button focus, yep. I do the same thing, but in reverse. I program one of the buttons on the back to cancel autofocus. So if I want to pull focus or if I want, I know somebody's going to walk in front of me or I have it locked down on the bride and I don't want it, anything to happen to change my focus, I just tap the button on the back and it just cancels focus. Mm. And that's easier than reaching around on the lens and turning turning the focus off. So I just hit that button and, and it stops focusing. Yeah. That seems like a great feature actually. That's cool. So, Oh, sorry. I'm just about about the autofocus. Um, (laughs) I actually, the first thing I did is I turned up the speed of the, uh, the track, the AF track sensitivity and the, uh, the drive speed. I just turned that all the way up and it was too fast. I actually had to turn down the speed of the autofocus because I wanted it to be more organic and less, you know, moving back and forth really fast. And so I actually had to turn that down a little bit on both of those just to give me a more organic feel. And if you've ever used the 6500, um, I don't know if the 63 did it, but this A6500, you could look through the viewfinder and then drag your finger across the screen to pull focus in a nice or- organic movement. Uh, well, now with the A7 III, you can do that during live view. So you don't have to look into the viewfinder. You can just reach up and touch the screen, drag your finger across it, and, and the focus will follow wherever your, your finger, finger's going. And that's a really neat feature. So will it jump from one thing to the other? Or are you basically pulling focus as you go left or right like to get uh, closer or further away? trying to understand what you're yeah, saying you're, you're pulling focus yeah you're so like when you um when you tap the foreground and you leave your finger there and you slowly drag it to the background it the focus follows wherever your your, your finger's at so it's it's whatever's so now, if, in if you frame just, it's not you like it's not the same thing as you twisting the lens i'm, I'm just trying to understand how that works it it, it replicates that effect uh if, but you, if you're you have picking the, the, a specific the, focus point is what you're saying Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're okay. starting at one spot, you're holding your finger down and dragging across the screen to somewhere else. And if the focus is following, whatever that's at, whether it be foreground, background, it's following your finger. Whereas if you just tap on the screen, wherever you want to focus, it just kind of jumps over to that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you'll like see it fade in, as if you were pulling yes. focus manually. Right, right. Right. That's cool. Awesome. Are you seeing like much hunting with that or is it just kind of locking on where you want it? Um. Yeah. It does lock on. The only time I had any, I wouldn't call it difficulty, but issue with the autofocus, uh, we had backlight from hell <laughs> at this at this wedding. And whenever the, uh, like I was tracking the bridesmaids walking down the aisle and they would walk in front of a really bright window. Whenever they would be massively backlit, um, it would it would try to hunt a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's always tough. But as soon as, soon as they would come back into normal lighting as i call it um it would it would lock back onto them cool so were you doing that during the processional you did you feel comfortable enough with it to do autofocus getting people coming down the processional uh, that's where it's made the biggest impact in my shooting is being able to do that uh while the especially the bride because you know that's one shot you just you can't mess up and some days you know my my focus pulling manually is is better than others um, but now with, with that, ever since the, um, the 6,500, 6, yeah. I, I, when I started using, 
um, the autofocus for the processional, and then at, on the A9 especially, and the even the the, the uh, R3. The 6500 is when they they started doing the phase detection autofocus. So, like this A7S2 was one of the last cameras that had contrast detection. So after that, they started putting phase detection autofocus in, and all of those cameras from that point on have this amazing autofocus system and that that really does change your life you know it's it's surprising yeah and it goes up definitely it goes way up and with the um the face detection um during the processional i usually turn that off because it will um tend to jump over to other faces if they're you know if the bride's coming down the aisle and everybody stands up next to her um, if, if my focus point, my box I'm trying to get her face in is close to somebody else's face, um, it's a dumb computer and it'll think, oh, I'm just going to go over there and grab that. That's a face. I'm going to go grab that. So I do turn the face detection off and I use what's called a, uh, I use either the small or medium flexible spot. So I have a very small square on the screen and with a joystick, I can move it around and I know if I'm going to frame her in what particular third, I can just set it for that third and just leave that on her face the entire way down that sounds amazing and i've i mean always been trained on manual focus and the only times i've seen autofocus um on the cameras we've used it hasn't it gets like a weird jittery effect when you like watch your Mm -hmm. footage afterwards you're like oh that doesn't look good It, it looks like something's messing up so this sounds very enticing i would be interested to see like how well that actually plays out on a wedding day, because that is that one time where you're like, I want to make sure the processional looks good. That would just be amazing to have that feature. Right. Yeah. I will have, um, BTS video and a review hopefully coming up this week. I'm going to try to get that done. Um, but we did have our friend Larry Marshall come with us to the wedding and he shot some behind the scenes of, uh, me using the camera and we're going to show the corresponding, um, you know, video of that, but we have some videos. Any video that you shot within the last six months yeah, is going to have, gonna have the autofocus. autofocus, um, especially bride processional, um, anything. So you started using then the a nine and I think June, and you realize, you started really using autofocus then. Right. And Sony Alpha Universe um, recorded all of our presentations at um, WPPI. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, the autofocus uh, very briefly, um, especially during the processional. And that should be on their website, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future. And that will be another example of, especially, you know, those bridesmaids or brides who are just, you know, you're used to pulling focus nice and slow. And you get that one bridesmaid who's in a real big hurry. <laughs> and she run. just, yeah, she can, she's in a hurry. So it, it's just, that has made my life so much easier, for sure. Awesome. Yep. I'm the crazy guy who will sometimes handhold the processional with an 85 mil effective focal oh length <laughs> and pull focus manually the whole way down. But it's awesome because, I mean, I'm still pretty good at manual focus pulling on that, but also I get like, you sure. know, the bigger the wedding party, the more practice shots I get because, mm-hmm, exactly. frankly, the other ones don't really matter too much. It's really just the bride coming down that is the is the kicker there. The other one... It's going to go into the, the dock edit, but nothing else. Right. So, right. But that is super cool. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? 
Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again, and have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get, and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 Hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 Hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized from my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 Hats just $300 a year and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Uh, okay, so what other what are like some of the other video highlights? Because this is clearly a hybrid camera um, that shoots, you know, both awesome high resolution stills as well as 4k video. What are some of the other highlights that uh, you would want to point out for wedding filmmakers? Well, the biggest coming from the A9 is that it has picture profiles. And if you're not familiar with Sony, picture profiles is where you are introduced to things like um, log, S-Log2, S-Log3. I, for the most part, don't use S-Log. However, I did last weekend. I started out with... um, one of the, the the Cine 2 or Cine 4 profiles. And then I started to encounter a lot of extremely backlit situations. And so I switched over to S-Log 3 and um, and played with played with that. So, you know, that that's something that really helps the with the highlight retention, which is, is what I'm after, and also helps with the uh, additional details in, in your shadows. Um, so, yeah, that, that was really nice. Um, Let's see. Um, of course, the the touchscreen that's that was been a huge. Um, I, I actually when I first got the sixty five hundred, I didn't use the touchscreen much. I, I disabled don't. it, but the more I'm using focusing, autofocusing, the more I'm able to just you know touch the screen where I want to focus or use the um, joystick. A lot of thing. Uh, another thing about it, a lot of people love the dual card slot, which I know they introduced that with the A nine, but this one also has the dual card slot. So I mean the the body is ever so slightly bigger than the A7S II. Um, it's actually probably a little bit better in hand. Yeah. Um, has more custom buttons on it than the S2. For, for you know, for filmmakers, that's what most people are used to using is the A7S II. Um, so it's a little bit larger. Has the better battery, dual card slot. Um, still has the great uh, IBIS in body image stabilization. Um, and the, uh, the the way it records on that 24 megapixel sensor is it records or it captures it in 6K and then down samples it into 4K, which gives you a really rich um, and detailed image. And then I really, um, 
I'm very surprised by its low light performance. Hmm. Um, it did phenomenally well. Um, I kind of surprising. Shocking. Yes, I did a few tests during. We were waiting for toast, so I just shot the head table, and I went through the ISOs and uh, just kept cranking up my f-stop so it would expose uh, right. And at eighty thousand ISO, I, I could use that. I could really? clean it up a little bit. Yes, at eighty thousand, and I went to a hundred thousand, and like, yeah, maybe, maybe if it was really desperate. But you know, the ISO is so different from the way it used to be, even like five years ago. I don't see myself ever needing to touch that right. ever. No, you don't um, need to. And that was with just available light in in the, the reception area. Um, I'm trying to think. And when you get that wedding where they're what? like, we're not going to bring any lights at all. Everything is going to be candles. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we're still bringing our lights. <laughs> uh. Well, you do have, I mean, you can think about light differently whenever right. you have those capabilities. So you're not thinking about how, how much light you need to expose the scene. So you basically have your scene set. You just need to bring in this light for dramatic effect, yep. you know? So we are still going to light our subjects during the reception, but we don't have to worry about, you know, intense light. We can just, we're bringing small LED panels. Just a kiss of you light know, will be th enough th to give them a nice rim yeah. on the back of their head to a get, little to, bit of fill in their face right so we're, we're doing we're lighting differently now we're lighting for dramatic effect and making them pop out from the background as opposed to i need light i mean because that's what we were used to you know for five uh, probably about five years ago we had to have these you know massive lights that plug in and they're really hot and they were stressful to set up and it's just like because here in indiana you roll into a reception with five seconds before the entrances, you know, <laughs> and five seconds before the toast happened. So a lot of the times we didn't have time to set lights up. And if we did, we were rushing and it was just taking something out of our um, stressful equation made our lives so much easier. So yeah. um, these are so amazing in low light, almost on par with the A7S2. It's, it's I'm sorry, it's damn close. Damn um, close, before, yeah. Right before this um podcast with you I, I i went out into studio and i set up a little scene and i just ran through some isos i put the both cameras on the s2 and on the 7.3 under the same settings and same i had i think i had to to start to tell a difference i had to um, blow it up on my computer screen 400 percent to be able to see a difference and the difference i was seeing was just that it was different it wasn't did, to me, it did not look worse in low light or better. It looked on par with the S2, but the the ISO noise was just somehow different. Now, I went through my settings again to make sure I had everything right, and I did have my um, detail level set to zero, where on the S2, my detail level set to minus four. So I'm thinking that may have had you know an impact on how it looked on the on the ISO noise that little bit of extra sharpening. So I'm going to do another test before we post our video on YouTube. But I mean it's like I don't know what they're going to give us with the S3. I I, I mean it, it's the seven three. I'm does such a great job. Especially if you need you know two three four bodies, you right? Know, yeah. Camera bodies right. at two thousand dollars. That's really enticing. I think so. that's one of the interesting yeah, I, I things. I was very is... surprised. Like you've talked about, we're at a point now, it's sort of like the megapixel race. Everybody's racing to get the most megapixels. And now we're seeing that with ISO. And it's getting to a point now where like, okay, I love the fact that with my GH5S, I can really crank it up 
and do that if necessary. But how many times has that actually been necessary? I mean, hardly ever. Right. Everything's getting so good. You don't have to push your equipment as hard yep. because the technology, you know, the competition between these manufacturers makes the end user's life better because they're 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 pushing the levels of what they can develop and, and just on the bleeding edge in particular like i find it interesting what you are talking about because i've experienced the same thing in terms of having to like in terms of your mindset when it comes to lighting being more about lighting for beauty exactly. or lighting for drama or whatever it is mm-hmm. rather than lighting for necessity of keeping the image clean but right i think what I've also noticed, though, is that I still have to keep my lights at the same level, and it's not because I need to make sure I keep my ISO down, but it's to overpower the light in the room, right? Like if they're if they're mm-hmm. lit overhead by a chandelier or just you know whatever the light is, or some whatever the case, gaudy is. purple up light <laughs> yes, behind them, exactly. Yeah. Whatever the case is, they're lit by that. And that's creating weird shadows or weird colors. And so I have to light in a way that overpowers that so that my light is the one that stands out. And so I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. pulling back on the amount of light I need to be able to, you know, keep my ISO wherever I need, but I'm just doing it for, for that drama, for the beauty, whatever the case is. Um, Yeah. And so again, at that point, it's like, well, I'm really not pushing it over, you know, over 800 ISO for the most part anyways. So that's kind of yeah, where i these, these sensors are, are getting just so ridiculously good at capturing light. You just don't have to, like, like you said, push push your ISO as high, which makes your image so much cleaner. I think it would just uh, be... Another thing I really... Sorry. sorry. I was going to say, I just think it would be nice for those moments when you just want to capture something really candid or kind of it's happening mm-hmm. and you want to just grab a camera and go like there's those moments where you're like, Oh man, if I had, you know, set up a light or if I had, I could have got that and, or I'd kind of missed that. Like those are the moments I feel like me personally, I would like to have that when I could just grab my camera, whip around and capture something that's kind of, you know, dark, but like I could get it with those high ISO capabilities. Exactly. Right. right. One of one of instance that we use that for is like um, reception. Um. Well, you, the reception we had lit the dance floor um, for the first dances. Um, usually, you don't light the crowd because they don't like that. <laughs> but uh, while the it was a father daughter oh dance, uh-huh. mom and sisters were just bawling. Just just oh. you know they were hugging each other and bawling. And it was one of those um, receptions where there was just a little bit of uplighting and then candles on the table. That was all the light the that was there. Floor. And we had lit the dance floor. And we had lit the dance floor. So Amber was able to spin around and grab, um, it was with the S2? Uh, yeah, that was with the S2. Okay. Uh-huh. And be able to, to grab that um, moment that you wouldn't have been able to get, at least not cleanly, right. um, with our, our older system or maybe some older technology. So, so reactions is really one place where... Um, the high ISO capabilities Absolutely. is is what help is where that helps. That's yes. and that's what we're looking for because you want to you know set the scene. You know, like you're looking at someone, you're giving a hilarious toast, but you want to see people reacting to it. So that's where we do crank the ISO a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Um, in terms of the image stabilization, how much how much are you guys utilizing that? I mean, obviously. 
you're probably utilizing it a lot, even when you're just on a monopod with a long lens or something like that. But in terms of, of handheld, how comfortable are you feeling with the image stabilization on these cameras? Uh, I, I can speak to that. Um, Amber's on a monopod almost the entire day with a 70 to 200. Right. I, for the, at least the first over half the day I am handheld. Um, and I've, I've been handheld, um, since the A9, probably. Since the A9. A little bit before that, but definitely since the A9. And I think, let's see, the wedding that we're going to post that we shot with the 7.3, I used the, what was it, 24 to 70. I, I used the 50 millimeter, sorry, 55, 1.8 um, a little bit. But my meat and potatoes, as it were, uh, lens is the Sony 24 to 70 G Master. And I handheld that uh, for everything leading up to the first look. And the first look, I went with the gimbal. But going back to the S2, it has 4.5 stops of image stabilization. The new 7.3 has five. So it's not a huge jump, but it is a, enough that you can notice a difference, especially when you're going from the S2's, it's like 160-some um, contrast detection autofocus. That in, in, in combining that with the... Um, um, you know, this, the stabilization has just made my life again, easier, um, with the, you know, it's almost 700 phase detection and the full five stops of image stabilization. So, yeah, I'm not going to say it makes my every shot perfect with the image stabilization. Uh, but it definitely, uh, makes my job easier in the fact that I'm much more mobile. And when I'm pop it into the groom's room, I'm also um, less of a distraction because I don't have a lot of gear. Even though, though it's a monopod um, and a microphone, um, some grooms are just, especially last weekend, he was a rather shy dude. Yeah. And um, and so just being able to follow him around, walk around, and um, get, get a lot of shots, just I hold it up to my chest and kind of tuck it in and flip the screen out and uh, and shoot like that. And it has really... Um, I mean, yeah, my back is not great the next day because I've <laughs> went handheld for most of the day, but that's because I'm getting old. But um, no, I then, you know, for the um, ceremony portions and for the toast, of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock down on a pair of sticks. Um, but uh, oh, something else I did with the ceremony. Um, sorry, that's how my brain works. It just jumps around. It's okay. <laughs> um, I've never followed the bride and groom down the aisle as 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 they've kissed and they're going to walk out so i talked with the photographer and we all kind of i got on the gimbal and i think it was on uh, the room was super small but it had a really cool rounded roof and and edges and very, very really small small ceiling so i got on my 12 to 24 and it really had a neat effect on just the way that it made the room look it made it look so much bigger and just on autofocus walking backwards in front of them um, with the photographer it just had a very very interesting look to it and i've never done that before but i felt really comfortable again going back to that um autofocus system were you you were walking handheld like that i would no. i was on a gimbal i'm sorry oh, okay. yes Gotcha. When I walk handheld, it's very short distances. And, you know, if, you know, all our filmmaker friends out there, you know, the ninja walk you do, you bend your legs and you kind of walk. So I don't, I don't do much because it's definitely not a gimbal replacement. Mm -hmm. um, the image stabiliza stabilization is, is good, but it's, it's a, not a, a gimbal replacement. So I, I try to, when I'm getting, getting those shots, I'm, I'm most of the time locked down in one spot and get the shot and then move to the next spot. And I may kind of like introduce some, um, organic motion. I mean, kind of move my body a little bit around just so that there's some organic motion that seems to 
bode well against trying to hold it just solid because no matter how solid I try to hold it, it still um, doesn't look as good as having a little little bit of organic movement for, for, for my taste at least. Yeah, cool. What else do you want to point out about this camera from someone who <coughs> is shooting video primarily right now with the A7 Mark II? No, sorry, the A7S Mark II. And it's just like sitting there. They've been waiting. They've been saying for a year now that they're going to buy the A7S Mark III. What do you want to say to those people? I mean, the price point. Um I'm sure they're going to come out with the S3. I don't have any insider information. I just it just makes sense that they're going to come out with a, a, an S3. So if if you want to hold out, you can hold out. I always say if you need something now and there's something out that looks good, just you know gravitate towards that. Um, that being said, I, I do have a few S2s for sale, but no. <laughs> uh, but seriously, <laughs> um, the low light performance is on par with the. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. S S2. It's just. I mean. You, it's, you, it's 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 newer technology. Did, I know. I the, just did the test, just like not even an hour ago, right. probably. And, and it is newer technology. So the S two is what uh, two years old, and that's not by any means an old camera. It's just a little slower than what Sony had been putting them out. Right. You know, so it's not. I mean, two years or less is not an old camera by any means. Oh oh okay, huge upgrade, huge upgrade from the S two. If you're shooting 4K with the S two. When you enable 4K mode, your screen on the back goes crazy dim. I mean, it's it's really goes really dim. So you still have your viewfinder if you want to use that. But if you're outside trying to use um, um, the the flip out screen, it's it might as well be a mirror. I mean, it's it's pretty tough. So Sony has a flip out uh, screen now, huh? <laughs> yes, indeed. They've had that for a few years. Oh, okay. You mean you mean flip down tilt. or flip up, not flip out? Tilt screen. Right? Tilt, yeah. Okay. I, I guess it is. Okay. Is a technically, okay. technically, yeah. I, you know what? That, that that's what they might give us on the S three. Well, uh, this has been fantastic. I think this has been super helpful for anybody who is uh, really on the fence right now, whether they're trying to get their first uh, full frame camera for video, or whether they're, you know, they've kind of been sitting on that A seven S two for a while and kind of waiting for the next thing to come around. Uh, this might be the option for you. So there's definitely a number of upgrades, whether it's the, um, you know, all the face detection autofocus points, whether it's the the brighter screen, um, the improved image stabilization, the on par uh, ISO performance, uh, and and color profiles, the improved battery life. It sounds like, you know, if you're if you're looking for something else and you're currently in an A7S II this could definitely be a significant upgrade in a lot of ways to you. So, yeah. And at, like I said, at, at the price point, you know, $2,000, that is a, just a hell of an entry level camera. I mean, I, they didn't hold back much. I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's a huge improvement over, over the S2 and it has, um, I know a lot of people with the, especially with the, the original um, 7S weren't too thrilled with the color science. And as each new iteration of their cameras come out, they seem to just do a little bit better job, a little better job. And now with the uh, 7.3, the A9, R3, they all have uh, what seems to me a, a better uh, color science that um, just helps everything look a little, little sweeter. So you're telling me this is not going to produce brown footage like everything else? 
brown footage. <laughs> brown. It's gonna go there. All the skies I see, I see they're brown, and I know that's a Sony. It's a, on on what what part? On on Dynamics videos. I, I, I need to watch. I need to watch <laughs> maybe, more of y'all stuff. Just, but when I go onto like the the yeah, wedding videographers yeah. forums, I can see brown skies, and I immediately know it was shot with a Sony. So so you're saying Ooh, like interesting. Uh, that's a that's a, a great improvement if they're working on the color science because I think that's that's one of the things that so many people feel like are holding them into a particular system. Um, for the most part, mm-hmm. yeah. the the Canon shooters, you know, are saying, "Well, yeah, yeah I, I got to have yeah. my skin tones from Canon." And I got to say, shooting in Cinelike V with my GH5 has fooled a number of Canon shooters. Of thinking I was using a Canon in terms of the color science. Um, so awesome. Welcome news to hear if, you know, manufacturers are continuing to pr- improve on their color science because that's a big deal to get the skin tones looking good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that when they in the ACE, when the seven S came out, uh, even I noticed, you know, it was, it tended to go a little green and yellow quickly. I didn't hear well, about brown. A7S1. A7S1, yes. A7S1 definitely had struggles. And then they, they changed and fixed a lot of that with the S2. But mm-hmm. you, again, you have to think differently about sure. color grading too. And that's what a lot of, the trap that a lot of people fall into is, you know, you know like thinking that you're going to, ma- you know, make a Panasonic match a Canon or a, a Sony match a Canon. You can't, it's really difficult to make all cameras across the spectrum match each other. So if you go and, and doing, doing it the same way you've always done, right? you know, you can't. So Good. you have to think differently about color grading. I'm not a color grading expert at all. I don't even do color grading at all, but Garrett does. Hmm. And I watch him do it. But um, yeah, one of our first weddings as we were making the transition was, um, let's see, it was a GH, Panasonic GH4. Mm-hmm. I mixed with a, a Sony and then a Canon 5D Mark 5D Mark III and, and the FS700. The FS700s, so. and I had to each one color grade. I, I couldn't treat it as the same person, the same individual. I had to, I had to treat it as its own unique yeah. personality. So yeah, it's it's tough. I will say, Sony almost to a fault gives us many many options. Mm-hmm. So if out of the box, um, the color's okay. I like to go in and tweak it. You can get really deep and really, really nerdy um, into some of their, their color profiles. Once you pick a profile, you can then change um, your not just the white balance, but which which way it kind of shifts, whether it's, you know, you have this this huge color palette and you can move this little tiny dot around to, to you know, go more towards yellow, more towards green, uh, whatever you want to do. And then when you're in your picture profile, there is um, an option for color phase. There's an o- options for color depth. So you can go to each color. I think there may be 12 different options for t- t- different color um and you can change, you know, you can pull your yellows out or put more in, whatever you want to do. There is a lot to do there. And sometimes that is a bit overwhelming. So what I suggest is, you know, if, if you get a system like that and you, you sit down and just uh, maybe throw up a color chart or your significant other, have a model come over, whatever, and just sit there and just play with the colors to dial that in to, um, to what you um, like and prefer. Awesome. The more customization that we can put into our cameras, the better, especially if you want to nerd out and get into, get into all that and really get it just the way you want it. I love when manufacturers just give us more options because it makes it better for, for more people. Right. So, 
Fantastic. Well, again, yeah, if you're if you're looking for for a new camera, I think this is a strong viable op- option for a lot of people. So check that out and thank y'all so much for coming on. I think this has been super informative, especially just to have somebody who's actually had the camera in their hands before the release is huge because otherwise we're just kind of all talking speculation. And so really awesome to hear you guys feedback. Mm-hmm. Right. Thanks. Yeah. And we should have, I want to, uh, I'm hoping it's this week. We should have at least, um, some clips of the things that we shot, um, on our gear glasses and gadgets, YouTube channel. So, um, if I can get out from under some of my paying clients edits and get those done, I should have that up on our, our YouTube channel. Hopefully the next awesome. week. Is so. there anywhere else our, uh, listeners can go to check out y'all's work? Maybe some of your latest stuff besides your YouTube channel. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Garrett said, uh, Gear Gloss and the Gadgets on YouTube, and then also Inamics on all pro- platforms except for Twitter. Um, so we we keep our profiles very open, so even our personal, you can check us so out. Go check there. them out on we Periscope. Post quite a bit on Gear Glasses and, <laughs> and Twitter. Yeah. Nope, yeah. we're not there. <laughs> <laughs> but we do keep our all of our um, socials very open, even our personal ones, so you can find us everywhere. Right, and we we probably post the most on MySpace on um, Gear Glasses and Gadgets Instagram on MySpace. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of that. I swear, <laughs> I was like, "What was that old Facebook?" I don't remember. It's, yeah, MySpace. I'm pretty sure my MySpace. Is I'm sure still it is too. Up. I gotta oh, find that and pull that thing it. down. Oh, now they're going to. Oh, that'd be that'd be terrible. It's real bad. It's now, bad. now people are gonna go scour the web. I'm gonna have to do it tonight <laughs> before that post. Otherwise, everybody's gonna scour the web looking for my MySpace. <laughs> Jordan Bunch, what were you doing 15 uh, years ago? Good times. <laughs> thanks so much for having us man we appreciate it every time you call Matt it's always good having you guys on and hopefully we'll see you guys in a few weeks if you guys end up making it out to Shutterfest let's do it Mm. let's do it we'll see make it happen (laughs) All right, take care guys the Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez if you found this episode helpful be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a 5 star review on iTunes And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.